the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, my friends. Dennis Prager here. Headline, Los Angeles Times. Ready? State braces for a grim surge. But they didn't finish the headline. For some reason, the other important words were cut off. State braces for a grim surge in panic. I don't know. <laughs> it just didn't have the entire headline. CNN, I happened to catch. Where was it? It's on in some public place that I was. Same thing. 32 states see surge. Spike. Well, a dissenting voice who has gained a great reputation for honesty. And unfortunately, even courage, because it shouldn't take courage to tell the truth about the diseases or anything else. And that is Alex Berenson, investigative journalist, former New York Times reporter, has a new short paperback book and ebook on the crisis, Unreported Truths About COVID-19 and Lockdowns. Well, welcome back to my show, Alex. Dennis, it is a pleasure. Although, although in some ways it's not a pleasure, because why are we still talking about this? That why, is exactly you know, right. Why haven't you moved on to, you know, talk about the election and stuff that I'm not as interested in and you can, and I'll get back to working on drug policy books and stuff. We should be back in, you know, in our, moving towards our normal lives. Anyway. Let's make, let's make a sort of vow that when the panic ends, I'm not saying when the epidemic ends, when the panic ends, you and I will talk, but not even about drugs or politics. You You have a hobby? To have hobbies, you know, I, I used to have hobbies. I used to read a lot and, and go hiking and stuff like that. I haven't read a book since. Uh, although I read an old Le Carre novel that I love. Uh, I haven't read a book in four months. Um, you know, I used to write spy novels. <laughs> these days, these days it's all COVID. That's correct. All right, so I'll. I think I know the answer, but I, you're the one I want to hear it from. Why is that headline in the L.A. Times? Why is that headline? Well, the, the most obvious reason is that, so if you look at deaths in the United States, and we'll see what happens today and tomorrow, but because you could, you, there's some argument, well, maybe deaths were a little bit suppressed by the holidays, or, or, you know, and, and death reporting was suppressed is what I should say. But if you look at deaths in the United States from COVID, they have now fallen more than 80% since March and April, since really since April, since the early to mid-April peak. And so instead of celebrating this news and talking about how, you know, we've reopened and yet deaths are down dramatically, the media is looking for any negative uh, fact that they can find. And so last month they had nothing. So they were completely speculating about, uh, when I say last month, I, I, I mean May. In May, they were speculating about Kawasaki disease, the sort of Kawasaki-like syndrome in children. They're speculating about people in their 20s and 30s having strokes, and stuff that was at best minimally supported by the science. 
and that, and that even pediatric disease experts were discouraging them from talking about it. Okay, so what happened? What happened in June was we ramped up testing a lot, and there was some community spread in, in Texas and Florida and Arizona, and California too, by the way. A lot of community spread in California. Masks didn't seem to make any difference there. And why is that? That's a really good question, which I hope we will get the answer to soon. It may be because people are going out a lot more. It may be because of the protests. We, we don't know. But, but what we know is that most of the people who got positive test results in the last month, and by the way, it may be because we're testing more and better, most of those people are at very, very, very low risk from SARS-CoV-2, okay? In, being infected with this if you're 30 probably means a cold. Being infected with this if you're 50 and in reasonably good health probably means a couple of bad days, maybe a, you know, maybe a moderate fever. You can be unlucky. It can be worse than that. But for most of the people who've recently been infected, they're not at not even high risk. They're not at moderate risk. They're at very, very low risk. So the media doesn't say any of this. They just start talking about cases, cases, cases. And what comes to my mind, what comes to everyone, everyone's mind when you hear a case is this person's in the hospital. This person might die. That's right. That's what people think. I read that even Fauci has now acknowledged that it can no longer even be called scientifically an epidemic. Is that accurate? So, no, that's not quite accurate. So, so what happened is the CDC has certain standards for um, the number or the percentage of deaths from pneumonia and influenza, and if uh, if that rises above a certain level over a weekly basis, they call it an epidemic. So, if there's ten thousand deaths, uh, or, let me use a real number. If there's fifty thousand deaths in the United States overall in a week, which is about what there is right now, you would expect about three thousand of those deaths to be pneumonia and influenza deaths. Above that, it's technically an epidemic. It doesn't matter whether it's 4,000 or 50,000. They call it an epidemic. So right now, the numbers have gone down so much from pneumonia and influenza and COVID that we are right at the top of that band. So they're saying that, you know, in a week or two, it might not be an epidemic by that standard anymore. I, here's Look, here's what I will say, and it's important for people to understand this. Death lag. Okay, so there is reason to watch very carefully what is happening in Texas and Arizona and Florida and California and the rest of the Sun Belt. We don't want those hospitals to get overrun. We don't want, you know, ICUs. We don't want, we don't want field hospitals to open. We don't want gyms, uh, you know, keep being converted into hospitals. We don't want any of that stuff. But that stuff is not happening right now. It is not happening, and it does not appear likely to happen. I'm not going to say it, it, I'm not going to say with 100 0.00% confidence that it won't happen by the end of this month, but it does not look like it is going to happen. And that's what we should care about, because I don't care how many people have positive tests for SARS-CoV-2. I care about how many people develop COVID, the disease, and get really sick and wind up ventilated or dying. That's what I should care about as a human being and as somebody who cares about our medical system and as somebody who cares about our economy and society, not how many people get a cold. And, and right now, although there are some places where the hospitals have filled up, they are not overflowing, not anywhere. And I will say that with confidence. I look at the data every single day. And the uh, folks who are on the panicky side will say, yes, that is because we opened up too soon. We were doing great while we were locked down. 
Except we opened up in Georgia on April 24th. We opened up in Texas on May 1st. We, we opened up in Arizona in mid-May. Why is it that all this stuff started to happen in, in sort of early to mid-June? And, and we don't know the answer to that. Okay, and there's going to be some people who just say it's the protest. I, I don't know if it was the protest. I don't really believe that because the protests were everywhere and this hasn't happened everywhere. But, but it could be the weather. Okay, it could be that people are sort of congregating in restaurants with a lot of air conditioning and spreading this to each other. It could be that this is the natural history of this illness everywhere, and that New York went through it first, and you know Paris went through it first, and now Texas is going through it. Only we're better at treating it now, so there's going to be many fewer deaths. We don't know. What we do know is that is that in the United States in the last week, uh, many fewer than 5,000 people, I'd, I'd have to go look at the exact number, it's probably 3,000 or something like that, died from this disease of the 50,000 people who died last week in the United States. So, so, so what are we doing? Why are we letting this run our lives? Well, 3,000 a week is 150,000 a year. That's right. Yes, and we have not even reached that yet. That, that's, that's correct. And of those 150,000, the best, if we, however many people die, the best estimate is that one half to two thirds of those people would have died by year end of something else anyway. Again, nearly half the people who die from this are in nursing homes. And, and, and that's not to say that every death doesn't matter. No, no, I know. We, we always have to add that as if we don't we love people. I know. It's such a joke. My aunt's in a nursing home. I adore her. I mean, it, right. it's absurd, but I know you have to. It's it's the way that. I mean, the, the, I mean, listen. My grandmother was in a was in a uh, was in an Alzheimer's ward, a locked ward for several years. Okay, she had no mind, she had no life. If honestly, if she died a couple years earlier, it would have been a blessing. That's for her. right. That but is correct. But, but but I'm not allowed to say that on a societal basis, so I won't say it. Right. No. I, okay. Okay. Exactly. Of course not. Because not. All... But the the, right. the fact is, this is a in the in the history of pandemics. This right now doesn't even, it's barely, okay, I, I, whatever so, I say is going to get taken out of context, but, but it, we are overreacting. We have been overreacting, we are continuing to overreact, and every time it's right, like the media, right. so I will might, ask you when, the truth, they won't. If, I'll ask you what I ask people yeah. like you, though you're unique. If you were emperor, what policies would you pursue? That's the $64,000 question. I have been opposed to the lockdown from the beginning. I understood two weeks, and uh, uh, I understood New York. I mean, but but to apply it all over the country and all over the world. I'm Dennis Prager, man. I have had on actually having nothing to do with this even before the. Uh, COVID panic, I mean epidemic, and uh, it was on a, his major book on marijuana. This guy's a clear thinker, so uh, I, I want to put you on the spot because I'm very curious to get your response. You're emperor of the United States, sure. in other words, a democratic president, Yes. <laughs> and uh, you can do anything you want, what would you do? Or for that matter, governor, governor of uh, where you live, in New York? New York. Uh, well, so, uh, New York is, is different. So California. Sure. So, so what, what I would do has not changed in the last, uh, really, two and a half to three months. I would reopen schools. There, there's, that is the number one thing. And by the way, I saw that Governor DeSantis in Florida 
uh, has announced that schools are going to reopen. He's ordered them open for five-day week instruction, as it should be, as is happening all over the world. And that is leadership. Whether or not you agree with it, he's saying, I don't, I, you know, I know what this, these, this spike in positive test means and doesn't mean, and we are going to reopen schools. And, you know, I am, I am really, uh, I'm really impressed with that. So I would reopen schools. That's, that's kindergarten. That's, that's elementary. That's high school. That's colleges. I, I do not care if those kids wind up getting positive tests. They are at zero risk. And zero is a look. I say zero; it's near zero. I know. But I've, I've right. said that for three months, and there are greater risks of being today. in a car accident on the way to school. They're, oh, there are much higher risks. There are much right. higher risk of drowning. There are much higher risk of child abuse. There are much higher risk of a right. flu. Okay, so, Nick, so okay, so that's schools. Okay. Next, uh, uh, you know, uh, offices should be open. Um, uh, uh, tr- public transportation and hotels should be open. If if people want to wear masks. That's fine. There's not a lot of evidence that masks do anything either way. I wouldn't require them. Um, the only thing that I would hold off on a little bit in places where there's a lot of community transmission is if you want to say big indoor events, we should hold off on. If you want to say, uh, you know, bars, we're so, because there is evidence, you know, in Japan where they, where they really didn't have much of an epidemic at all, they concentrated on just a couple of places, places like literally karaoke bars and bars, places where people are close together, and, you know, in each other's faces, a lot of strangers for a long time speaking loudly. That can drive spikes. So if, if spikes are what we care about, then, you know, in places where there's been a lot of transmission. So you would open everything that. except bars and, 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 uh, and hockey bars, games. Bars. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, indoor dining, I'd be more careful about. Yes, those things. Well, and more careful sure, More careful is, is not the same as clothes. Right. I, so I would probably separate restaurants a little bit, uh, you know, separate the tables and stuff like that. Bars, it's very hard. People get drunk. They don't want to socially distance. So, so uh, uh, um, the other thing I would do, and we've done this. This is one thing that I think we have done in this country, is we, would, is, is we stand up the hospitals. Okay, so we make sure they have enough PPE. They do. We make sure that if there are short-term surges, we rotate, you know, nurses and doctors in. Ideally, people have had some experience with this over the last couple months, which we now have some people like that who know what they're doing. Okay, and we try to protect nursing homes. That means temperature checks. Ideally, that means you try to find people who had positive antibody tests to work there. I don't think you want to lock these people up for months on end because there's negative aspects to that too. When their families can't see them, it's bad for them. It's bad for the care they receive. That is a problem. But, but do we want to try to make sure that we're not, you know, letting sick people wander into nursing homes? Yes. So, I mean, these are all practical common sense things. None of them require test, trace, isolate. We're way, way past that. We can't possibly isolate enough people to make a difference. Um, none of them require contact tracing apps on your phone. That stuff is a joke. Most people will not respond to those calls. Those people, you know, are already complaining about that in states where they have contact tracing going on, you know, and, and we should be doing testing of, of, you know, treatments, whether that's HCQ, whether that's, uh, you know, dexamethasone, whether that's the Gilead drug, we should be doing randomized controlled tests to see what works. None of this requires us to blow up society. It's blocking and tackling. It's stuff we're good at in the United States. The, the lack of concern by the media and the Democrats with the consequences of the lockdown, as if, oh, it's money versus lives, that's the simpleton view, 
uh, is appalling to me. I read a, a piece uh, from the Wall Street Journal to my listeners yesterday. Developing world loses billions in money from migrant workers. I mean, just as this is just one example. And uh, in, in, in El Salvador, there are now uh, white flags outside homes to signal they're hungry. Right. Why is that preferable to uh, allowing people to work? I don't know. Why, why, why can't kids go back to school? Because, because some teachers are afraid of this thing when the reality is the school is probably a safer place for them to be because kids don't seem to spread this very much based on all the evidence we have. Why, why, why has the media been baying about Arizona and Texas for the last three weeks when there is no evidence of hospital overrun? Okay, I don't know. I don't know what has happened to the media in our society. Well, you do I, know. I if, but you I, do know. I do, but I don't like to talk about it because it's not, it's not helpful for me. To, to focus on that. I prefer to focus on the data uh, about about COVID. Why is it not helpful to you? Because, because, uh, because uh, look, I don't want to be pegged as a, a, a right-winger or a left-winger or anything but somebody who looks for the truth. Okay, and that's fine. I'm not, I'm not arguing with you. I, 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 we all have different roles in life, and I understood. Yes. At a very early yes. time in my life, though I know that I share... Ninety percent of liberal values with liberals. Uh, I was pegged a right winger, and I have lived with it, and so be it. I mean, they, they can call yeah. me uh, a giraffe, or there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, I, I appreciate that, and I, I understand. Is there um, the since you look at the data, what, what is your take yeah. on second wave? I mean, I think this is the second wave right now. I, I think it's very interesting that, you know, the, the states that got hit in, in March and April are not getting hit. And, and it is going to be, uh, we need more than anything in this country. And I, I, Dennis, I think I said this to you two months ago. This is how long this has been going on. We need a national randomized serology test. That will tell us how many people have been infected and recovered because the numbers are kind of all over the map. But you heard the CDC last week, either last week or the week before, say that they thought at least 10 times the number of people have been infected from this and recovered as we've had active tests. There are other people who think it's 20 to 30. All right. How do people get your book? We have no time. I want them to get your book. So the book is called Unreported Truths on COVID-19, about COVID-19 and lockdowns. This is part one. It's about deaths and how we count them. Part two, which I'm working on desperately, is going to be about lockdowns. You get this on Amazon. You get it on Apple. Alex Berenson. Thank you, sir. All right, everybody. Dennis Prager here. The president's speech at South Dakota at Mount Rushmore was so good that it, it, it actually bordered on perfection. To attack that speech tells you only about the attacker, tells you nothing about the president, nothing. And I have not been a fan of many of his tweets. But let me just quickly take a doctor in Baltimore. John, hello, John, Dennis Prager. Hey. Hey. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, I just want your listeners to know that COVID-19 is not benign in children. We're averaging about 300 ER admissions, ER visits a month at our tertiary care hospital for COVID-19. 
And we've never gotten 300 ER visits for asthma or meningitis in a month. And, no, we haven't had any deaths. That That is true. We have not had a pediatric death. But we've had some ICU admissions. We've had some kids with lingering respiratory issues. I don't want your uh, listeners to think that children don't get COVID-19 and that it's benign because that, that would be misinformation. Well, you could hold both. Children do get it, and it's largely benign. They're not mutually exclusive. If there are no deaths, given the fact that there are children with asthma and children with heart problems... and No, no, residual. So a kid who does not have asthma gets COVID-19 and then ends up with residual respiratory problems. So there is there is lingering morbidity. It's not benign. They don't just get it and have a cold and it gets better. It's, well, they do, but it, but it's but you're, you're look. We're both right. The question is, what do you do about it? Yeah. Some of that, us think policy, that closing. I'm not calling about that. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Okay, appreciate it. See, this is this is something, and I obviously say this with respect. Uh, for the record, doctors have saved my life. So I, I owe them a certain degree of gratitude. But I I don't look to doctors or any other experts for what to do. I look to them to explain and to cure and to do all the wonderful things they can do. Uh, I learned this from firemen many years ago, and I learned it on this show, as I have learned so much about life on this program. When I spoke to a fire chief about the issue, and so many of you may, may recall this, I'm jogging your memories here, because I have referred to it. When he said schools should keep school door, schoolroom doors closed at all times in case there is a fire, it's much safer to have that in place. But, of course, if you look at, at how many children have died in school fires in the last half century in the U.S., I think it's zero. I'm, uh, or I think it's zero. But firemen see terrible things and doctors see terrible things I have a very close friend who's a doctor and he periodically tells me about the risks of a mouth cancer for smoking cigars and uh, the statistics on mouth cancer are so are so rare it, it, it may be chewing tobacco but smoking cigars and it it's exceedingly rare, and so it, 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 it's probably far more likely that I would die in a car crash than of mouth cancer, but a doctor sees mouth cancer, so that's why I don't want experts to give me advice. I want experts to give me expertise and save my life, which is pretty, a pretty good calling. My friends, this speech that the president gave is so good that it is, it's painful. It's so good, it's painful that he had to give such a speech, that he had to defend the, the, the four people whose visages are chiseled in that mountain now the now what are they canceling hamilton the play the show well the 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 guy who wrote it or produced it is agrees with them you know it's it's 
Did you see that? I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the latest news. Hamilton. Hamilton did not own slaves. Hamilton was anti-slavery, but Hamilton married into a family, a wealthy family, and they did have slaves. And uh, that's enough to cancel the show and American history. Well, it is a joy to be with you in an unjoyful period. The damage that people like Gavin Newsom are doing will be recorded by history. They will go down as fools. That's simple as that, as arrogant fools. As they crush their state, whatever state it might be, they crush it. Because they personally pay zero price. They get rewarded because the they're Democrats. The state is overwhelmingly Democrat, and they're looked at as strong. It takes no strength to shut down the state. It takes strength to open it up. Zero strength. But who's going to take you on? The L.A. Times? The San Francisco Examiner? The San Diego, uh, what is it? Uh, what is their paper? I know Tribune is in the name. I don't think. Is that the whole name? It's not San Diego. Union Tribune? No. Is it the Union Tribune News Daily Wire? Sorry? Union Tribune. So between the two of us, we, we, uh, we excavated the truth. All right. I want you to hear the president. I don't do this. I've not done this with, with a Trump speech since he was elected. That is how important it is. Take it away. No, that's not. Oh, wait, when else? I'm sorry. I, I, well, the Warsaw speech was very significant. I did go through it? Good. Okay. So it's a second, if that's the case. Here we go. Today we pay tribute to the exceptional lives and extraordinary legacies of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, and Teddy Roosevelt. I am here as your president to proclaim before the country and before the world, this monument will never be desecrated. These heroes will never be defaced. Their legacy will never, ever be destroyed. Their achievements will never be forgotten. And Mount Rushmore will stand forever as an eternal tribute to our forefathers and to our freedom. All right, next, 21. We gather tonight to herald the most important day in the history of nations, July 4th, 1776. At those words, every American heart should swell with pride. Every American family should cheer with delight. And every American patriot should be filled with joy. Because each of you lives in the most magnificent country in the history of the world. And it will soon be greater than ever before. 
Not if he loses. Our founders launched not only a revolution in government, but a revolution in the pursuit of justice, equality, liberty, and prosperity. No nation has done more to advance the human condition than the United States of America. And no people have done more to promote human progress than the citizens of our great nation. Tell me why that is not true. (laughs) Why is there not more liberty on earth because of America than any other country? This is not a knock on other countries. If you say that Michael Jordan played basketball best, is it a knock on other players? I mean, it's just an absurdity. It's either true or not true. But it is not is not insulting. And prosperity? Has anything other than capitalism lifted people out of poverty? But the left is not interested in lifting people out of poverty. It is interested in power. And it is interested in the redistribution of wealth, which produces poverty. Next. It was all made possible by the courage of 56 patriots who gathered in Philadelphia 244 years ago and signed the Declaration of Independence. They enshrined a divine truth that changed the world forever when they said, all men are created equal. Sounds like a real racist, huh? Set in motion the unstoppable march of freedom. Our founders boldly declared that we are all endowed with the same divine rights given us by our Creator in heaven. And that which God has given us, we will allow no one ever to take away, ever. Fantastic. Go on. And yet, as we meet here tonight, there is a growing danger that threatens every blessing our ancestors fought so hard for, struggled, they bled to secure. Did we uh, lose the connection again? I really apologize to you, my nation. Okay, we really have to look into this. I will chip in for a new computer. How much could it be? (laughs) Our nation is... Yes. Is witnessing a merciless... Witnessing a merciless... Okay, it's not working, obviously. Our nation is witnessing a merciless campaign to wipe out our history, defame our heroes, erase our values, and indoctrinate our children. Is that not correct? He's calling them out. Very few Republicans do. The Dennis Prager Show. All right, everybody, I will continue uh, to uh, read the speech. 
Since, our nation is witnessing oh, a merciless okay. campaign to wipe out our history. That's not me. That's the president. Fame our heroes, erase our values, and indoctrinate our children. That's right. Angry mobs are trying to tear down statues of our founders, deface our most sacred memorials, and unleash a wave of violent crime in our cities. Many of these people have no idea why they're doing this, but some know exactly what they are doing. That's right. Go on. One of their political weapons is cancel culture, driving people from their jobs, shaming dissenters, and demanding total submission from anyone who disagrees. This is the very definition of totalitarianism. And it is completely alien to our culture and to our values. And it has absolutely no place in the United States of America. This attack on our liberty, our magnificent liberty, must be stopped, and it will be stopped very quickly. We will expose this dangerous movement, protect our nation's children, end this radical assault, and preserve our beloved American way of life. In our schools, our newsrooms, even our corporate boardrooms, there is a new far-left fascism that demands absolute allegiance. If you do not speak its language, perform its rituals, recite its mantras, and follow its commandments, then you will be censored, banished, blacklisted, persecuted, and punished. That's right. It's not going to happen to us. Is there a word that is exaggerated, let alone untrue? Make no mistake, this left-wing cultural revolution is designed to overthrow the American Revolution. In so doing, they would destroy the very civilization that rescued billions from poverty, disease, violence, and hunger, and that lifted humanity to new heights of achievement, discovery, and progress. Okay, we'll, we'll continue. It is a great speech, and it is a statement about anyone who does not see it as such. I'm Dennis Prager. We continue.